Well, as we come to this season of Lent, we are called to look at our sin, and especially to look at the sins in our lives that are keeping us away from loving God and loving each other. When we think about it, sin is really absurd. The sins that we try to hold on to in life, that we think are going to give us life, but they, they, they don't really ever give us life, it's really absurd when you think of it. So I was trying to look online just to see if there was, you know how Jesus is tempted by the devil to turn the stones into bread? I was looking online just to see if I could find a story about that, and so I typed in man addicted to eating stones. That's what I wanted to look for. And uh, you know how Google gives you all these other suggestions too? So these are the number one things that uh, showed up. So man addicted to eating stones was there. Man addicted to plastic surgery was there. Man addicted to Big Macs. Uh, man addicted to Pepsi. Man addicted to hand sanitizer. Man addicted to mac and cheese. Man addicted to burgers. And man addicted to Takis. I don't know what that is, T-A-K-I-S. It's a type of chip. So man addicted to these Taki chips. So I did find a couple stories about men who are addicted to eating stone, actually. One of them was a man from India. He's 30 years old, and he can't eat anything else but stone. He's so addicted to it that that's what he has to eat. So he eats stone. When he can't find that, he will eat gravel. When he can't find that, he will eat bricks. But no matter what anybody says to him, he can't help but only eating stone and bricks. Now you think, that's crazy, right? Our sin is crazy. So whatever sin that we are attached to, that we go to, and God tells us this isn't good for you, but we still do it anyways, it's crazy. It's, actually, it's absolutely absurd. So I want to talk about the, gospel, the first reading in the gospel, how we are presented with this idea of sin, sin being something that Satan tempts us with and makes us think is good, but it really isn't. It, it, it destroys us and it takes us away from God. And I want all of us to think about that. What is the crazy, absurd sin that we're doing in our lives? Like if you were just to sit right now and think, what is that one thing that I'm doing and I'm looking for it for life and it never gives me life? I know it's a sin. God tells me a sin, but I still do it. Think about that. Is there anybody here who didn't think of one? Raise your hand. <laughs> a little kid in the back. Mom, you're going to have to help uh, that little child out. <laughs> That's what I say to kids when they come to confession and they don't know what their sins are. I say, go back out, ask your parents. They'll tell you. <laughs> so Adam, the sin of Adam, there are three different types of sin. So let's like use this for Adam. We'll use this column for Jesus, and then we'll use this column for us. And these three types of sins are, are shown in Adam. They're shown with the temptation of Jesus and also with the temptations that we receive. So the first sin for Adam is Adam was told, Adam and Eve were told that this tree of life, which God said, do not eat from. You can eat it from any other tree. Take your pick, but don't eat from this tree. And so Adam looks at the tree, and he's tempted by Satan to see that this food, this tree, is good for food. So that's the temptation, that it's good for food, even though God says, don't eat it, right? So 
If God says don't eat it, it's probably not good for food. But that's his temptation. Oh, looks good. Looks good for food. So that's the first type of sin. The second type of sin is that it was delightful to the eyes. So there was something about it that looked good, that Adam thought, hmm, Adam and Eve, that's pretty good. It looks beautiful. Even though God says do not eat from it, it looks pretty good. And then the third uh, type of temptation is it can make you wise. So if you eat from this tree, you can have wisdom. You can be even wiser than God, even though God in all his wisdom says, don't eat that fruit. Okay, so that's, that's Adam. Good for the food, delight to the eyes, makes one wise. Now, Jesus is going to have very similar temptations by Satan that we hear in the gospel today. So the first, good for the food, Satan says, you can turn this stone into bread. You can have it right now. Just change it into bread and it can be yours. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone. So good for food. The second is Satan says to him, you can have all of the kingdoms of this world. So he's tempting him with delight for the eyes. Look at this world. You could have it all. And the third is he says to him, and this goes with to make one wise. He says, if you are the son of God, and I like that because he says, if you are the son of God, he tempts him to think, maybe I'm not the son of God, but Jesus knows he is the son of God, and he doesn't give into that temptation that he needs to do something to prove himself, or he needs to do something to make himself wise. So Jesus refutes all three of these temptations. And now when it comes to us, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, he deals with these three temptations, and he calls them, the first one, the, the good for the food, he calls that lust for the flesh. And the second one, the delight to the eyes, he calls that lust of the eyes. And the third one is that it will make one wise, and he calls that pride of life. So lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So I want you to think back of the sin that you're struggling with. Which category does that fall into? Lust of the flesh, so like it looks good for food, but it really isn't. Delight to the eyes, something that you are lustful, even just looking at and desiring, or makes one wise, pride of life. So if you think of each of these, lust of the flesh is pretty easy to understand. So that's kind of like all the physical addictions. It could be eating too much, it could be sexual addictions, it could be um, trying to find sensual pleasures above God. So any lust of the flesh. The second is lust of the eyes. So that pretty much covers all the covetous things. So looking at something and wanting something, um, desiring something even if you know it's not good for you, placing that desire above anything else. And then finally, pride of life. So pride of life really fits our American mentality. It's the climbing the ladder, like getting as high as you can, and uh, when you get there, it's never good enough. you got to seek the next position or the next pay raise or whatever that may be. So going back to your original sin that you think of, which one does it fit into? Good for the eyes, delight to the... Good for food, delight to the eyes, or does it make you wise or think it makes you wise? 
then we hear today in the gospel that Jesus gives us the antidote. And he gives us the antidote in, in our Lenten observance of pray, fasting, and almsgiving. So just to go back again, good for food. Jesus was tempted to turn stone into bread. That's the lust of the flesh. The antidote for that is, what do you think? What is it? Fasting. fasting. Okay, you got it. So fasting is the antidote if it is that good for the food, lust for the flesh. The second is delight for the eyes. It looks good. And then Jesus' temptation, you, have all, you can have all the kingdoms of the world. And the triple lust that Paul says is lust of the eyes. So that desire to have and covet things, what would the Lenten thing be for us? Almsgiving. All right, you got it. And finally, makes you wise. And Jesus, if you are the son of God, that's the pride of life for us. And what's the antidote to that? Prayer. So we're given this wonderful opportunity in Lent of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, these antidotes that help us deal with our sin. So as I've mentioned before, in Lent, we're called to do all three of these. We're called to do these all the time, but in Lent, we're called to increase them. And we're called to do that so that we can increase the, this wonderful gift that God has given us to help free us from our sins. And all three of these are important, so prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer helps us to know that God is our God. And every time that we pray, we depend on him. So whatever sin that is that we have, we can increase our prayer and say, God, I need your help with this sin in my life. So in some way to increase our prayers. Secondly is fasting, so that takes care of all of that delight for food or sensual pleasures. And as I mentioned before, abstaining is great. So giving up something for Lent is great, coffee, um, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever that may be. But fasting really is not eating. And it goes to that primal sense. So by fasting, even if our sin doesn't have to do with food, fasting will help us so that we can truly and completely have that power and authority that God gives us over that desire for, for that pleasure of the flesh. And then finally, almsgiving. Almsgiving helps us detach. So during Lent, we're called to detach from our wealth, to, to give our wealth to the church, to increase what we give to the church, and to give our wealth in other ways that we can find opportunities. And so hopefully now, having known our own sin, we can see how this, what St. Paul calls the, the triple concupiscence, so concupiscence is a weakness to sin. We can see how this prayer, fasting, and almsgiving to help us to stop doing the thing that is insane, and that is our sin. We need to turn to God in this wonderful season of Lent to increase our prayer, our fasting, and our almsgiving.